0: Do 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 do
1: you're having a fantastic Wednesday. And if you're not, don't worry, because it's going to get Better because you are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We're broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus on the unceded, ancestral, and traditional Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I am your host, Saira Unju, and I have a pretty pretty chill show for you today. Uh, I'm not going to lie, we don't have a lot today. We were supposed to have a review of the concert that Mago Serrera did but for the Champcenter.com series. Uh, But we're still having problems accessing that, as I said last week, so we're not having that. Instead, we have two interviews and a review. It is not too much, not too less, just like the perfect amount of content for you to enjoy. So I'm going to start off with uh, my interview with Reiko, who is a F-term in Studio 58 sarah what do those they mean well they mean f term means a uh, final term so studio 58 has three years it is three years so and the terms are you know a b c d e f and the f is the final one so right is graduating um congrats <laughs> and studio 58 is langara college's theater program i hope these all make sense to you now <laughs> Okay, we're going to be talking about Tomorrow Love, which you can watch right now. It's available until March 7th, which is, I believe, this Sunday. You can sign up for free at langara.ca slash studio-58. It is pretty easy to find. If you don't want to put this whole thing into your browser, you can just Google Studio 58 and it should come up. And as I said, signing up is free. And if you want to know what tomorrow love is and you want to know more about the process of creating, it well I'll just leave you to Ray to tell you about that and okay before we go let me tell you after my interview with Ray uh, we're gonna have our review of MX which was a which was a play and this review is being done by a new correspondent so Henry our new correspondent is doing a the review of MX. It's his first review and I hope you guys like it. I'm really excited to have him on the utterport Report team and yeah, it's just really exciting. Whenever someone new joins, it's so much fun. Last year, I remember it just being Lua and me. It was just the two of us and now I think there's like six of us. It's so exciting, so much fun. Um, and then I'll be back with another interview. Yeah, okay, I'll see you. I'll see you after all the interviews, yeah? I think that sounds good. Have fun, bye. Hello, everyone. Today I'm joined with Ray Coe, who is an actor at Tomorrow Love. Um, I believe you're an F-term at Studio 58, right? Yep. So Graduating, almost. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Thank Ray, you. welcome. Uh, I would like to start off with asking you what tomorrow love is.
2: For sure, actually, um, if you don't mind, yeah. I would like to acknowledge that this project was um, we had the privilege of doing it on the unceded traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Um, so we, yeah, I want to acknowledge that first and foremost, yeah. and. Yeah, my name is Ray Ko, and my pronouns are he, him. And <laughs> tomorrow, love, I've seen all the ads that um, our marketing coordinator, Linda, has put out into the world, and mm-hmm. it's described as um, black mirror meets modern love. Okay. And it's so, it was so, so, so much fun being a part of this project because there are 13 pieces Mm -hmm. or what we call playlets and each piece has two two people two characters yeah and it's about love and romance and sex and and like with the with the factor of futuristic Mm -hmm. um products or yeah products (laughs) and we each in our journeys we go through like what it is to be in a relationship in a futuristic sense.
1: Okay. That sounds really interesting. And so for the playlet you're in, um, would you kind of want to maybe talk about that one specifically too, and like maybe go into your character
0: a little bit?
2: For sure. So my playlet um, is called Perfect. And it's about these two people who have decided to take their relationship to the next level mm-hmm. and they they partake in a virtual reality sex app. Oh. Um, yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome. And it's very much in the realm of Black
0: Mirror.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and we... So my in my piece, there are these two characters and they're both so full of life and they they really do things out of love.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so with my character and the other character, we are trying to solve what we think is the other person's problem, mm-hmm. and with, but with different, answers that's all I will say because I okay. don't it. yeah but of course. It, yeah it's like it's like so it's like trying to solve an equation with a different formula that's not
1: mm-hmm. what you think yeah. wonderful I wow I'm excited <laughs> to watch it
2: <laughs> yeah it it's it's great because uh, one thing that the writer Rosamond Small has has done it's is that there are these little playlets mm-hmm. however if you and I hope that you do, and I hope everyone does. But if you binge all of them, you're you're brought into the same world and the same reality and the same style. So there are some recurring themes and recurring lines, and the style of the dialogue is very much found in mm-hmm. each of the playlets. And it's Rosamond Small is genius. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the playlets are connected in one way or another. Mm-hmm. okay that's that's great that was one of my questions <laughs> <laughs> um so there are two directors right mm-hmm. and did everyone work with both of them or were was it kind of distributed between the two how did it all work
2: so there are 13 playlets and there are two directors and so they split up seven mm-hmm. um, playlets, and they went with Shaker Malaysia mm-hmm. who is one of the directors, um, and from what my friends say, he's an incredible director and artist as well, but I, I didn't get to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with uh, Lauren Taylor, um, and she had six, like a set of six playlets, mm-hmm. um, and so I worked with Lauren, and she was incredible. It was, oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um okay so have you ever done something like this before like a playlet instead of a full length stage production
2: Um so interestingly enough I uh, I'm graduating now but yeah. l- same time last year mm-hmm. when I was in D term because I'm now in F term mm-hmm. when I was in D term I was part of this project called Foreplay Oh yeah mm-hmm. and I was we were just about to go and like present but then COVID hit and it it just didn't help anyone and it just like crashed and it was so sad because we had all been working so hard Mm -hmm. and I feel like if anything that was as close to what this was Mm -hmm. um however it's different in the sense where each playlet and each piece only has two people Mm -hmm. so each of us actors really got to live in it and as, (laughs) as <laughs> as almost narcissistic as it sounds, like it was all about me and this other partner. Like our yeah. acting, partner. it was us, and I had the best time with um my acting partner Mary Rose. She's oh my goodness, she's like incredible as well. Like I love the whole process. Mm-hmm. It was- yeah, I, so, I said that so many times, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no,
1: it's wonderful. It just shows how passionate you are about what you're doing and also this project, which is just wonderful. Talking to people who are really passionate about and who love the things that they're doing is 10 times better, like 15 times better than talking to someone who's just there just because. Um Okay, so talking about the process, how was the process? I feel like you've probably gotten used to filming during COVID because you've done other projects, like the Doll's House project. But, like, um, how was the process for this one? How would you compare
2: to the previous ones? So, interestingly enough as well, I have... (laughs) Because of, like, I've never filmed pre-COVID. Like, Mm -hmm. I was never... I was always um, more involved in the theater world and stage work, so when I came back after the summer when we were filming for Dolls House, that was really interesting because it was an it was an ensemble piece. Yeah. So it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't <laughs> like almost close to your face, individual one on one type of filming. Mm-hmm. So that was a very fun experience, and you know I that was. I learned a lot from Doll's House.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: However, with this process for Tomorrow Love, we the reason why I am so inspired by Lauren Taylor is because even before we got up on our feet, she had me and my acting partner um, break down the script
0: mm-hmm. so that
2: we're all on the same page. And we I think it's what she called microanalyzing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: after every shift and every like, Every beat shift we would say okay this is the next thing um and so when we would make our acting choices we're all on the same page which I find really that was really smart to do
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so that was the beginning and then we moved in on our feet at school and we followed uh COVID protocols we wore masks
0: yeah
2: um and it was really interesting because and please tell me if I'm rambling (laughs) no 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 (laughs) um tell as much as you want It was really interesting because I, that was the first, like foreplay last year was supposed to be my first time being on stage because my training for school was done. Mm -hmm. Um, But because I never got to do foreplay, this was, tomorrow. was the first time that I got to like sink my teeth in, into something. Mm -hmm. So I was really, really nervous. um, But I feel like Mary Rose hit it. And I was like, okay, let's do what we learned in in class, and let's find three ways to start a scene, and let's, <laughs> you know, like we need to. I, I almost felt like I was like over preparing, and I was like, what if we start like here and this, and like we had mirrors, and like what do we, you know? And it was so much fun because we we ended up preparing something, mm-hmm. um, and then Lauren liked one aspect, and she straight up went, yes, <laughs> and, and like, elevated it. And it was, that's why it was so much fun, because when we went further into the process of like, when all the designers came, and I also want to shout out our uh, creative team, other than the directors, Lauren Taylor and Shaker Palazzo, we had set and costume designs by Melicia Zaney We had lighting and projection designs by Sophie Tang, and the sound designer was Mary Jane Coomber, and all of them, like, when we presented for tech, they elevated everything. And my dream of like almost being as close to Tron, mm-hmm. like Tron legacy, like the movie. Yeah. I was I was living it. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I it was awesome and the costumes and the set. And I don't know if you saw the 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 promo pictures. Mm-hmm, I did, yeah. Oh, oh my god, stunning, stunning. And I was just I was just in awe and so that like that that was part of the best part Mm -hmm. but i think another thing that i was also just jaw-dropping like i was like oh my god this process is so much fun that was like the first time i had a close-up okay Um, so having a camera like right there it was so much fun (laughs) and it was fun for me because i just got to wait around and like you know, when I, when they tell me, okay, go action. Like that's when I do my thing. Mm -hmm. But that was the first time I had like sound and video (laughs) and the camera crew and the director and everyone. And they were like running through the process. And I was just standing there and I looked at Mary Rose and I was like, we're really (laughs) doing this. Like, we're really like (laughs) like, acting, acting. (laughs) And like, I knew at that moment, I was like, this is my element. Like, I, I loved it. Um, And so that was really fun. And we did a couple of takes of it. And Mary Rose killed it. Like, oh. and then Lauren Taylor was as encouraging as ever. And mm-hmm. it was the most fun, like, so far. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. It's like making me wish I was there too. Just like enjoying that joy with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, yeah.
1: Um, okay, so a question I have is that, for, I don't know if you would know for every playlist, but at least for yours, were mm. you guys, the two of you, separated um, mm. for like, you know, COVID guidelines two meters apart? Or were there times when you were closer?
2: So we we got to see the process, um, all of us, um, also following COVID protocols.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we're all socially distanced, but we got to see the set that we were in mm-hmm. so at least for me and Lauren's group I got to see what she also directed mm-hmm. um and interest like it's so cool and so wicked because we we never made contact in a way that was unsafe okay yeah
0: that's cool. um
2: and I was fortunate enough in my playlet that I never actually like touch Mm -hmm. um mary rose in in the show or in the playlet and i know other like i know another one like um till (laughs) till do us part and till skype do us part if i remember correctly they never look at each other oh yeah and they're also socially distanced and so they we've choreographed it in a way where we never actually touch and it's it's safe okay that's That's Uh, great
1: to hear i feel like um i watched i think everything was there like two three anyways that's not important so far during covid i feel like studio 58 has has done a really good job like still creating while being able to keep the actors apart which is i feel like would be really difficult in like a normal stage when it wasn't being filmed um but yeah i think it's 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 doing pretty good so far and I'm excited for this one too. Um, So, before we go, I want to ask if there's anything that you would like to add that you want to mention, anything at all.
2: I really hope that people enjoy it and live in our world, live in the world of tomorrow love Mm -hmm. as much as we did because... Us actors, I, you know, speaking on behalf of all of my castmates, we had so much fun mm-hmm. filming it so and, and creating it. And we have everyone to thank. And of course, there's not enough time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I hope they, the audience enjoys it as much as we do. So yeah.
1: Great. And where can people watch it if they want to watch it?
2: So it launches on Studios website, which if I remember correctly, it's langera.ca slash studio fifty-eight mm-hmm. slash current season. Um and it's free. It's for free, which God bless. Yes, <laughs> that's great. We can, and you can enjoy it in the comfort of your own home. So, and you can binge watch it like Netflix. That's so, that perfect. is perfect. Yeah.
1: How long are the, the playlists, like each of the playlists?
2: They vary from around 20 minutes. Mine, my, my playlist perfect is uh, around 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they also increase, so like 30. And then there's some that are like an hour, which okay. is also fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah perfect it's just like watching a season of netflix
2: just like you said
1: yeah perfect for binging well thank you so much for for
2: speaking with me about tomorrow love ray thank you so much as well this was so much fun
0: without the
1: help and support of our friends we here at citr wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music art cinema and culture that you love Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else
3: coming to town there.
1: For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca.
0: Thousands of opinions are at our fingertips, but are all opinions informed? Does your information have a source? Is your social feed based on fact? Only facts can uncover the truth. Professional journalists are committed to balanced and non-partisan reporting, to independent commentary. They cut through the spin to give you the information and perspective you need. Journalism is essential to democracy, a watchdog over the powerful, an independent voice. Journalism is more important than ever
1: welcome back everyone i hope you enjoyed that interview with ray Coe for tomorrow love don't forget to check out tomorrow love it is available until march 7th which is this sunday and you can check it out at langeraca slash studio-58 or just google studio 58 Langera, and it'll take you there it is free Don't forget that it's free. That's important. What more could you ask for? Okay, now I'm going to leave you with Henry's review of MX. I'm really excited to listen to it myself. Uh, Just let's, you know... A big welcome to Henry to the Arts Report, and I hope you enjoy.
3: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Henry Konsekura with the Arts Report here to give you a review on a play that I recently watched. So recently, I watched a play called MX or Max by the production company The Cult and Off the Co- Off the Corner Productions. Now, this play tells the story of Max, a a semi closeted individual who is who has struggled with coming to terms about their origins. So they join the Nancy on the Nancy Show and explores her origins, her backgrounds, and her personal journey through this show. Um, as mentioned, the characters in this play are Nancy, or Anan It is explicitly mentioned that she doesn't have a background, though she is an African-American woman with seemingly mystical qualities. We have Max, which is tonight's guest in The Nancy Show, who is mixed-race, semi-closeted, quite confused about being, um, being mixed-race, and according to themselves, good at making pottery, reading fantasy novels, and that's about it. We have Samantha, also known as the Collector, who is in the play themselves a symbol of white supremacy and effectively acts as the antagonist for this play. Also, we have MAP, which is a special spiritual technology similar to Siri, which whoever, whichever guest joins the Nancy Show lives inside the head for the entirety of the show. They're able to demystify the deepest of ravagings in the the body and overcome any psychological roadblocks. Now, with these characters, of course, comes the costumes, which there are no costume changes throughout the play, which means that there are only there's a very selected number of costumes, which are all very nice and very well selected. So Nancy uh, Nancy was dressed in a traditional African headdress and outfit in bright red colors, which I found very interesting, as a con- as it effectively contrasted between Max's and the collector's costumes. So as Max's Max costume was a very typical v- with very neutral colors, um, which may which may seem to highlight their insecurity. Of their background, and, on the, and contrast this, we have the collector who is in a 50s-inspired all-white dress, which is incredibly fitting of their character, and it effectively creates a three-color, uh, a three-color balance between the three characters. Now we have this. Now we have the set. The set in itself was simple but effective. It was very much a talk show set, in the sense where you had on one side, on stage left, we had Nancy's uh, chair. Now, given the coronavirus, there was of course social distancing in place on set during the play. Now, how? Now, as a general note, throughout the play, the production company has done an amazing job at including the constraints given by the coronavirus epidemic into the play, actually even c- creating new, incredibly interesting parts and, and inc- interesting moments that really make this play shine. So as I was saying, on the set, on, the, on stage left, you have, the, the, for the majority of the play, on stage left, you had Nancy's, Nancy's chair, Nancy's chair behind her, a desk. A, sorry, a shelf. And on that shelf were a, series, were a series of books, but all those books had to deal with black history, which is very a uh, deliberate and very uh, welcome choice. On stage right was a couch where Max would be sitting. And in, in uh, depending on the scene, sometimes the set would change, but typically as this play was set in a black box, it would just change to an empty blank stage and where lighting would tell the story. Additionally, when, um, when Samantha and Max interact with each other by themselves, they're actually having a picnic, which setting setting to samantha's character is supposed to evoke that white supremacy which i'm assuming in terms of the story is to bring back to that 50s idea having a picnic is a very 50s concept um so i i personally found the acting within within this play stellar i was sold on every single one of their characters nancy's charisma um nancy's charisma and outgoing nature but at the same time her conviction as a character was very interesting to see um Max, from the beginning to the end, had me convinced about her insecurities about her background, and going to the Nancy show, I feel like helped her um, come to deal, come to terms with her with her background. Samantha is, like I said, a stellar example. Uh, her acting is a stellar example of, well, that idea of white supremacy. Um, even actually dropping in the middle a pretty shocking moment, which act- which made the story a whole lot more interesting. Now, one thing I will note, however, is that since this play was relatively short, the characters' acting was great, though it didn't really showcase a huge amount of character change throughout the throughout the play. It seems to me that even so, it seems to me that Nancy and and uh, Samantha are two opposites of a spectrum, which is great. which is very good to showcase how, in the middle, you have Max, who is still unsure. And by the end of the play, I personally, as an audience member, was still unsure whether Max had come to terms with their with with their blackness as Nancy put it but it was very interesting to see how throughout the play she explores this and really in that in in that's in that similar vein it leaves it leaves the audience up to you to where it comes uh, to where it choose uh, to what to to where to what do you think now in terms of the lighting the lighting in this play was very was relatively simple especially for the majority of the play since it was the talk show set as I like to say it um it was simple white lighting on both sides however there were a couple sequences where lighting, change. For example, there was a dance bit where the lighting played a role in elevating the mood of the, of the play, which I found very interesting. As a person who enjoys uh, simplistic and stark lighting, I feel like I guess it could play into that, for example, with Brecht's work. But in general, I found the lighting very interesting. Though the one thing that I think I like most about the play was especially, first of all, I did not watch this in a theater hall. It is a pandemic after all. We should not be doing this. Fun. Stay home, everybody, right? But um... The fact is, as even though this was a live stream, it gave the the actors, the directors, the whole crew immense access to whole new different ways to work on this to work on this play. Almost as if you're watching a live stream. With those live stream elements, they were they played with those very, very well. For example, at one point they played with camera angles, distortion, they played with well jump cuts, and to change scenes rather than having a curtain change, they just changed the camera. And that's incredibly interesting. Also additionally, they had they they involve the audience, which is something that in my personal opinion is a very risky thing to do in a play because if you don't if the audience doesn't play along with what they're doing, you've effectively jeopardized your play. However, the way they involve the audience in this play was very very well executed. For example, at one point Nancy Nancy asked the audience for names of people. Now, the importance of those people is very relevant to like, to black history and especially for example and the audience started listing a group of names. Nancy, the character from this, read those names out loud to empower those voices, which is a very powerful moment in terms of the story. Additionally, at one point, I'm not sure if this was intentional or not, there were technical difficulties or I'm pretty sure this was intentional, but Nancy disappears from the show completely and Max is left alone. But during that brief moment where there were technical difficulties, the play went on through the chat of the of the live stream where Nancy's characters spoke lines per se as and they just typed them into the into the chat box and had us and had the audience interact with her through there. Which effectively this play didn't really have a fourth wall to begin with, and it was very interesting, um, because given and so of course this is called the Nancy Show, well the play's called Max, but that's not the point. The Nancy Show is a very interesting take on how the coronavirus epidemic can influence a play. But in general, this play was really based on my background. It was very much a eye-opening experience in the whole what it is to come to terms with one's origin, one's owns, own race and culture. And especially the way that um Nan- the way that Nancy plays it with Max is a very interesting and very new way of looking at things of coming to terms of at the end, even though Max comes to this show to have Nancy tell her what her origins are, or how to come to terms with it, at the end it almost seems that Nancy leaves it up to Max. And as an audience member, that is really interesting to see because while Nancy tells Max to come to terms with it themselves, that also suggests that the audience must come to terms with it themselves as well. Now throughout the entire play, the great source, greatest source of conflict is uh, Samantha, the collector, who attempts to collect in a way, Max to her own ideals, and it's very interesting to see that actually the entire conflict of this play is Max not sh- unsure as to agree with Samantha's ideas or Nancy's ideas. But at the end, she seems to agree more with Nancy's ideas than Samantha's. Um, the writing, of, in this sense, was very well done, and very and very effectively showcased the play. Now, on that note, would I recommend this play? Sadly, this play is no longer being uh, no longer being. Showcased, but it was a wonderful experience to watch, and I recommend that if a recording ever comes becomes available, that you do watch it because it is a wonderful piece in a twenty 20- in twenty first century, especially with everything that's going on with Black Lives Matter and everything about that around the world. Um, that you come go watch it and really give it a serious think in terms of your background and what you can do in our modern world. Thank you
1: welcome back thank you henry for that review of mx or max i guess yeah thank you and yay congrats to henry for finishing his first review i remember when i did my first review uh uh, it was a bad one i'm not gonna lie i look back at it now and i just think to myself you know wow i that was awful because like I remember starting talking about it and I didn't even mention what it was about and then the host of the show was Jake back then and Jake was like, Sarah, so what was the play about? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's something I should tell people because they might not know. (laughs) So (laughs) if you want to know, what my first review was, uh, you might have to dig back, dig deep back into the archives on our website. Um, not too much though. I believe it was either in 2018 or 2019. Um, probably end of 2018? I want to say maybe September or October. I really can't remember. I just remember being in the studio and talking to, like, I was talking to the microphone. Lua was sitting right next to me. Uh, I started talking about uh, where it was, like, it was a play from the arts club, I believe, and then I was like yeah, it was really good. Uh, I really liked it. The actors did a really good job. And then Jake goes, Sarah, so what was the play about? <laughs> and then it was just like, oh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I remembered which play it was, but I don't. I'm sorry. If you listen back to all of the episodes that I'm in, you might find out that's going to take a while, but... <laughs> If you have the dedication, you can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> okay, now it is time for another interview. Also talking about firsts, I remember my first interview too. That was, in my opinion, really bad too. But like, look how far I've come. I'm hosting the show now. Damn, good job me. pat on the back. <laughs> I have no one to pat my back for me because I live alone. <laughs> Okay, can you tell I'm recording this late at night? It's almost midnight. I have to wake up at 8am tomorrow. (laughs) Fun stuff. Exciting things. Okay, oh my god, none of this information was important for me to mention (laughs) Okay, so my next interview is with Jordy Matheson, who is the producer of ZZ Theater. So, ZZ, that is spelled Z E E, space Z E E. (laughs) E -E. (laughs) And so, if you want to go to ZZ's website, that's Z, as in like Z, the last letter on the alphabet. Z-E-E-Z-E-E, theater. Uh, And then theater is spelled R-E, not E-R, because theater E-R is the place. Theater R-E is the concept, I believe. I don't think I'm wrong. (laughs) Okay. So, virtual humanity. If you don't know, human library is a thing that has been happening for a while all over the world it's basically when you quote unquote check out a book and this book is an actual living person and so for example if the title is like child of a taxidermist and then you check out that book it gives you one-on-one time with the child of a taxidermist is what I'm assuming. And so, it gives you the opportunity to talk to people with unique life experiences or with um, people who are more marginalized and looked over in our society. And so, because <laughs> of Miss Rona, we can't have <laughs> human library as we normally do and ZZ Theater is hosting Virtual Humanity, which is the virtual version of Human Library, and I'll be talking to Jordy about that, and so they're focusing on BIPOC individuals, uh, this year, that he mentioned that at the end of the interview, and it all just sounds really interesting. I, I hope I can join myself uh, if my classes allow me to because I've been really busy, actually, you know, midterms and all that, but it sounds fun. Uh, It is very insightful because you get to talk to people that maybe you won't be able to in normal life, like maybe you don't know people who have those experiences or you will never meet them, but like with virtual humanity, you'll be able to do that. And what was I going to mention? Oh, it is every Saturday and Sunday during March. So every weekend of March, you can join virtual humanity. You can definitely buy tickets for multiple days. How many, however many days you want to um, participate <laughs> depends on you you decide, and I'll be getting more into it with Jordy. so I'm not gonna speak more on it because it'll just be a repetition of what he says in the interview, but I just wanted to mention these things before we start, and before we start, <laughs> I'm gonna go into a quick Adam PSA break, shouldn't be more than a minute, don't worry, it's very fast, and right after, we'll be back with the interview, see ya then.
3: What is this? CITR 101.9 FM. A center for ants? What? We're a radio station broadcasting from UBC Vancouver.
4: How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to
3: read
0: if they can't even fit inside the
3: building? Visit CITR.ca. Derek, it's just a... I don't want
0: to hear your excuses! The center has to be at least three times bigger than this.
3: When you purchase the latest TV, tablet, or smartphone, don't forget to do the right thing with your old ones. Recycle them. The Consumer Electronics Association and its members are making recycling your old devices as easy as buying new ones. Just go to greenergadgets.org, type in your zip code, and you'll instantly find the recycling location closest to your home. You'll also find recycling tips, like asking the store where you buy your new TV if they'll haul away your old one, Don't let your old tech tools clog your local landfill. Just visit greenergadgets.org.
1: Hi, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Jordy Matheson to talk about the world premiere of ZZ's Virtual Humanity, which will be streaming online March 6th, to 28th. Hi, Jordy. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing okay. I'm so glad uh, that the sun has returned to us it's been quite a wild week so far weather wise but it's beautiful now yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) it's good it's really weird that it snowed so much and then now it's so sunny
4: it's gone it's totally gone
1: um how are you doing i'm good thank you so much for asking
0: um
1: so i'm guessing that people already know about the human library that used to be held in person and so now you're gonna have it virtually which is amazing so did you were you able to have a like the human library event in 2020? Uh,
4: No no actually we had we had done a version of it in 2019 Mm -hmm. and then Took a before even you know COVID was a thing. We had decided to take a pause on the Human Library for a year and allow it some breathing space because we were planning on reshaping it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so, no, we we didn't have a in person version of Human Library in twenty twenty at all. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: Well, it's been really exciting that it's going to be back, even though it's not in person. And so how will it work online? Do people need to sign up for the specific quote unquote books as in the people who are featured? Um, How does that work?
4: That's uh, that's a fantastic question. It's a fun new system that we are trying. We hope is fairly straightforward for people. Pretty much, you can go onto our ZZ website mm-hmm. and check out the virtual humanity page. Mm-hmm. And then on that page, you will have options to purchase tickets. And those uh, tickets are for day passes. Okay. So you don't sign up on, like in advance for the actual storytellers. You mm-hmm. just choose a day pass for whatever day works for you. And then reserve a spot. And that will loop you into a bunch of emails um, that'll give you more information closer to the date. And pretty much on the day that you signed up for your day pass, then you will get a link to a secret portal that only people who have signed up for that day get to see, Mm -hmm. where all the different titles will be available for you to sign up for, uh, Mm -hmm. the specific, actual specific time slots.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. That sounds great. It sounds really exciting. So how did you find these individuals who are featured as the titles?
4: Yeah, so there's, there's two main ways that we've collected storytellers this year.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: One is by reaching out to our incredible pool of um, human books from previous years of the Human Library. We have some folks who continue to return year after year um, and have these amazing stories to share. And sometimes they decide they wanna tell new stories. So we have all those people. Um, and then we also brought in some curators this year, specifically for, the vir- for virtual humanity, um, including uh, Sam Chimes, uh, Ronaldo Acuna, as well as Dallas and Alicia, who have just recently come on, and they're uh, they're the people who specifically go and reach out. They reach out to their communities. They mm-hmm. reach out outside of their communities and find people with interesting stories and experiences that are interested in sharing it. So it's a combination of previous years of storytellers and our fantastic storytelling curators mm-hmm. who reach out and build a new collection of storytellers okay. yeah
1: that's great um so going back to the beginning when you mentioned that you kind of wanted to take a break from the human library for a year because you had the idea of reshaping it did having it uh virtually was already an idea you guys had or did it kind of shape into virtual humanity because of covid
0: well i
4: i think it's hard to say fully if it's one case or another Mm -hmm. um because you know we only live in the reality we live in so (laughs) who who can say what it would have been like had covid not happened but a thing that we did know that we were wanting to do is the last the first eight years that the human library was run it was run only through or primarily through the main center of the vancouver public library Mm -hmm. and that space and though that's amazing and we love and vancouver public library is fantastic we also wanted to find ways to extend our reach and make the project accessible to people who maybe are not able to get to the um central branch Mm -hmm. so in our last edition of human library before we went on pause we had started doing it in different uh different vpl locations throughout vancouver
0: Mm -hmm.
4: i think it was something we had talked about of how do we reach how could we reach out into rural communities how could we reach out to the suburbs what are ways to make this project accessible um more accessible to more people and it just so happens that with COVID, making people reflect on what kind of projects can be done virtually, it was sort of like, oh, this is a great way for us to extend our reach Mm -hmm. um, to people who wouldn't otherwise be able to access the human library in its previous iterations, as well as sort of the only way that we could carry on this project in a way that's safe in these times. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. And I feel like it's a great point that you mentioned how it's now accessible for people who wouldn't be able to reach the human library if it was held in person. And so do you think you will want to continue having virtual humanity after kind of, you know? COVID goes away and we can go back to seeing people in person Uh, or do you think it's kind of its own thing with COVID or so you might want to go back to human library as it was?
4: My answer to that is who who can say if it's a success, Mm -hmm. if people love virtual humanity and are like, oh, thank goodness, I would not have been able to take part otherwise. And we get a positive response and people gather. Um, then there's no reason why we wouldn't move forward with it in uh, the virtual capacity mm-hmm. um, So it all it all really depends on how the project um, how March goes yeah and hopefully I think it will be really successful and I know people are already buying tickets and interested. I, I would hope maybe that it wouldn't just be an either or that yeah. we could. Continue to do a version of virtual humanity and also continue to do an Mm in-person version once it's safe to do so. Because there is something really unique about having it in person. Um, At the same time, the virtual version allows us to somebody who lives in Kelowna or Kamloops or even further out to take part, which I think is its own unique bonus. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of both. I can't say. I'm not the person who makes those big decisions, <laughs> decisions for the company, but I'd be happy to see a little bit of both
3: happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so talking about how you're not the person who decides. As the producer of uh, Virtual hum- Humanity, what do, what do you do so that people kind of have an idea?
4: That's a great question. It's it's a really malleable role. I, I'm sort of the... I guess the spine that holds the different parts together and communicates with the different parts Mm -hmm. of of the project. So I interface with the people doing the technical aspect of the program, as well as checking in with the curators and seeing how how they're running, making sure everything's working for them. I schedule the workshops for our storytellers. I help assist the curators in figuring out the process. With that, I also coordinate interviews like this through with our wonderful publicity colleagues. And yeah, just there's all these different disparate aspects of the project. And I'm sort of the person who goes between them and says, okay, this person is on the same page as this person, and this person is on the same page as this person. And maybe they haven't really talked to each other directly, Mm -hmm. but I'm seeing the picture. Yeah, I'm seeing what's going on, and everything seems to be working together
1: yeah yeah so sounds like a lot of work but also sounds a lot of fun so
4: (laughs) exciting it's a it's a really exciting it's a new um as a theater artist i have not i would not consider myself a naturally technical person Mm -hmm. but i feel like that's been a um a value because it's really kept me grounded of like if i want to make a project a virtual online project that somebody who is not techie like myself can access and enjoy, mm-hmm. and so it's been a really great learning experience, um, but also just a fantastic time and a great and a great community we've built through the project.
1: Yeah, yeah. that sounds wonderful. What can people who are planning on joining? Uh, virtual humanity or people who haven't bought their tickets yet but are listening to this right now what can they expect from virtual humanity
4: oh it is a one it is a one-on-one interaction with a person who is sharing a true and vulnerable aspect of their lived experience Mm -hmm. a question we often ask our storytellers at the beginning of the process is what is a misconception that people have about you that you wish you had the opportunity to correct? Mm -hmm. And what is something about yourself that you wish, that you don't talk about a lot, that you wish more people understood? Mm -hmm. Um, And it is an opportunity for people to have those one-on-one, those vulnerable one-on-one interactions and talk about things they wouldn't otherwise talk about, you know, when you're in line at a coffee shop or in a Zoom conference mm-hmm. or whatever. Especially now, like, those intentional opportunities to talk with people that aren't within our bubble have been so limited yeah. that there's a real special opportunity in that. So anyways, one-on-one interactions um, in on Zoom and the storyteller shares their story Mm -hmm. and then the special thing about this kind of storytelling event is as a participant you get to ask questions and engage in your curiosity in a respectful and supportive way but perhaps open your allow yourself to ask questions and try to understand better that Mm -hmm. person on the other side of the screen.
0: Yeah,
4: that's That's the answer. Were you looking more for a technical thing? That was a little bit more of like the spirit of the project. Yes, no,
1: no, that was perfect. Wonderful. (laughs) Um, People, I feel like people can figure out and see the technical aspect when they sign up and actually participate in it. So I feel like that was a great response. And how can people find virtual humanity and where can they sign up and where can they keep posted about it
4: for sure um the best thing to do would be to go onto our zz the zz website mm-hmm. that's ZZ theater t-r-e not t-e-r the, mm-hmm. you know, the canadian way <laughs> uh, .ca, zz theater and on the zz theater company page we have virtual humanity all the ticketing is there. The description of our booking process. We have some beautiful art that has been designed um, to to be a visual to help you understand the process.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And we have all the sorts of description on that page. And I had another thought about that. Um, also, if you want to keep up. You wanna go to the ZZ Theater Company page as well, the website, because they also have a newsletter Mm -hmm. that will keep you updated on the progress of the project. And tickets are on sale now for the day passes. So people can go to ZZ Theater and go to the virtual humanity um, section under Mm -hmm. our current season Mm -hmm. and book a spot for one of the day passes. Um, And those day passes, it. I don't I won't go into too much description here, but that allows you two twenty minute interactions with storytellers for that day. So you can sign up for two twenty minute blocks on for each one of your day passes. Mm-hmm. So nothing stopping you from buying a day pass for multiple days as yeah. well if you want to experience more stories.
1: Yeah. And so how many people are there in general, as in like the people who are featured?
4: Yeah, so we have we have a roster of about 35 storytellers and each day we will have between 15 to 25 of them available mm-hmm. uh, in any given day. That's part of the reason why we don't advertise in advance mm-hmm. the storytellers and their names because every day is a little bit different yeah. and we want people to be open and... Willing to be impulsive and make a choice for choose a title because all you get to see is the titles before mm-hmm. you join in. You only get to see what the title of the character is or the storyteller is, yeah. not a character. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, it's a really it's it's a spontaneous experience to pick those those storytellers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. That reminds me of those books. You know, they cover it with like parchment paper and then just write the title and what it's about so that you don't judge the book by its cover.
4: Totally. And that's, yeah, that's a real, that's absolutely a part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so before we go, is there anything that you would like to mention or tell people who are listening to this right now? Please
4: uh, check out and book your day passes for virtual humanity. We have an amazing roster of storytellers. This year, we have specifically been focusing on BIPOC, uh, BIPOC storytellers, Mm -hmm. and we have amazing varieties of experiences that are being shared. And so sign up. And if you have any questions or concerns, if people are curious, but they still have questions, they can uh, email the company as well and Mm -hmm. we can we can help out because it's a new it's kind of new this way of doing events online I think a lot of people are like I don't know what's it gonna be like but it's really we're making it as accessible as possible as simple and streamlined as possible and we're still all here to help support our storytellers and the patrons who are joining us That's so yeah i i just i look forward to seeing people i can't wait for uh, march 6th in the beginning our first event day
1: yeah. yeah yeah it's it's exciting um i'm i'm probably gonna be joining too because well if my classes allow me to so it sounds really interesting really exciting thank you so much for speaking with me about virtual humanity
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was really great to talk about it, and uh, I hope to see you. I will. I will be there each day. So I hope to see. I hope to see you there. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, we're almost there. I have a shout out before we go. I before the shout out, I just want to mention. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, virtual humanity sounds like an amazing opportunity to find out more about, you know, people or things that you might not know about. It's a very intriguing concept. I hope you I hope you participate in it. I hope you get your tickets. Uh, it is every Saturday and Sunday during March. So my shout out is for the Polygon Gallery's new exhibition called Feast for the Eyes, which is opening tomorrow. So let me just read you the press release really quick because we all know reading is always better than me trying to form actual sentences because sometimes that ends up badly okay (laughs) the polygon gallery presents the canadian premiere of the delectably colorful touring exhibition feast for the eyes the story of food and photography initially scheduled for 2020 but postponed due to covid19 pandemic the sweeping show will be on display from march 4th which is tomorrow to may 30th 2021 so you have a bunch of time to go see it Curated by writer Susan Bright and Aperture Foundation's senior editor Denise Wolf, Feast for the Eyes tells the story, history, I'm sorry, tells the history of photography through the enticing lens of food. Featuring the work of more than 60 of the world's leading artists from the late 19th century to today, including Guy Bourdin, Man Ray, and Wolfgang Tillmans, the exhibition brings together a mouth-watering assortment of over a 100 images, from photojournalism to fashion photography, from rare cookbooks to advertising. Uh, If you don't know, the Polygon is located in North Vancouver, and it is free admission, so wonderful, there's no reason for you to not go unless except you have no way to go to North Vancouver. Uh, I myself really want to go see it myself. I probably will. And if I do, I will be talking about it on the show. So keep an eye out for that. And I think that brings that to us to the end of our show. Oh my god, words. So what do we have coming up for the next show? Next week, we have an interview with Margaret, I don't remember her last name, I unfortunately, uh, about Coastal Dance Festival. We have an interview with Sean Dacey about the Richmond art gallery's new exhibition which sounds so amazing oh my god and we have a review of tomorrow love that i will be doing and hopefully we'll have the review of uh mago serrera finally from Silvana. but again who knows maybe it won't be available (laughs) until then um we'll see if we don't have that one we'll have other stuff don't worry and Yeah, I think that's it from me. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget to check out Tomorrow Love from Studio 58 until March 7th. Don't forget to check out Virtual Humanity until the end of March at ZZ Theater. And don't forget to check out Feast for the Eyes at the Polygon Gallery. That's all from me. Yeah, it is time for me to say goodbye. Goodbye.